Hey friends, my name is John Abel, and I'm the worship director at Watermark Community Church, and you are listening to the Practical Worship Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show designed to help you lead a worship band and be a leader of people. On the first Friday of every single month, we release a new episode. So make sure, if you're not already, subscribe to the podcast do it now on whatever app you're using to listen to your podcast. I'm really glad that you're here and you're just in time for episode number 14. Today, we're talking with John Abel. He's currently the worship pastor at Watermark Community Church in the Dallas, Texas area, and he's been there for for almost a decade. Uh, But even before that, he was a full-time traveling worship leader and a songwriter. If you remember the Chris Tomlin record, See the Morning, there's a song on there called Awesome is the Lord Most High. John wrote that song, and I think it was in 2013 that I went to the Echo Conference that was hosted by Watermark Community Church, and the first workshop that I went to was one that John did on the topic of being a worship shepherd. And so that's where I first met John. And since then, I've learned a lot about Watermark. They're right in the heart of downtown Dallas on the LBJ, right across the street from the Galleria Mall, right in the middle of a bunch of skyscrapers. And they have some of the most incredible ministries for college students, for marriage, for addiction recovery. And what I think is so interesting about Watermark is that they are a megachurch, but it doesn't seem like all the other megachurches that I know. Not better, just different. It's a different flavor, and it's become one of my favorite places to find inspiration for my own ministry. So this is a conversation about how he leads his ministry, how he crafts uh, the services that they do, how discipleship, which is a huge core value of Watermark, how that plays out in worship ministry and why relationships matter above all the musical things that a worship pastor is tasked to do. That's the heart of this conversation that you're about to hear. But first, the product of the month is Throat Coat. Now, this is for all of my singers. Throat Coat has been a huge thing for me as a singer. It's this hot tea that you can brew from traditional medicinals, and it's made from like the bark of trees, and you you don't drink it because of the taste. It's kind of this milder black licorice. But the reason that you drink it is that I have found, especially for me as a baritone, like the high note, the very top note of my chest voice as I sing is D above middle C. E flat if I'm really, really warmed up. And so when I'm singing, when I'm leading, I'm at the very top of my chest voice a lot. And I find that when I am drinking uh, this hot tea, this this uh, throat coat, that my tone of my voice is a lot smoother. And I find that it uh, it lasts longer. My voice gets tired a lot slower when when I have this going versus if I don't at all. And you know how like you take things like certain remedies or whatever and you're like you think maybe yeah maybe it's working maybe it's just my brain that's tricking me into thinking that I want this to work so my brain is saying yeah it works. No. 
I, I can definitely tell a difference when I drink this. And one of the best things as a singer that you can drink is hot water and honey. And so I do that quite a bit. But you add in this tea as well. And it really does help to um, just relax your vocal cords and uh, to get them in a good spot so that you can do the things that you need to do as a worship leader as you sing. And if you are one that, that preaches a lot and delivers a message, uh, it's great for speakers as well. Whether you're singing or speaking, um, it's uh, it's really, really... it's, it's it's a great thing of my arsenal. I've found that with uh, worship teams that I work with, that over time, you know, I will tell them one by one about it because it just comes up in conversation. And by the end of it, like the whole team is drinking it. They all come into rehearsal. They all got their mugs. We're all doing throat coat. Uh, and it's a pretty, uh, pretty amazing thing. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. In fact, as we mention things throughout the episode, we'll put links to other things we talk about in the show notes as well. You can find those at practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast 14. And now my conversation with John Abel. John Abel, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Dave. It's great to be here with you. So before we get to all the other stuff, I've been watching a lot of your services uh, online at Watermark for the last several years, and there's always been one thing that I've wanted to know. What is the deal with all the acoustic guitar capos? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, okay, so I use I typically use two capos, and the reason for that is um, a little over 10 years ago, I had an accident, and I was tuning up my lawnmower, and long story short, I ended up chopping off a part of a finger. What? Yeah, yeah. And that that led to a um, obviously a couple of surgeries and a, and a, a physical recovery, but a much deeper spiritual one that the Lord used that in. And, and anyway, so so now how that how that works out practically is I don't use um, my left ring finger when I play the guitar anymore. So I had to relearn how to play. And the and the way the way that I learned how to play was through um, cut capos. And so it, basically it's a quick way to put your, your guitar in an alternate tuning and it gives you the ability to use less fingers when you're playing. And, um, and so that's how I've relearned how to play the guitar. And so, so that's, uh, that's, that's the main, that's the reason for all the capos, but it's, but some people ask me that sometimes cause they don't know. I and mean, it's been years now since that happened and I don't share about it unless someone asks about it. Cause I just don't think about it too often these days, but that's, uh, that's the reason for the that's capos. amazing. I actually have a friend of mine that plays acoustic guitar and, uh, and w- he went to work at like a, like a summer camp where like where they, they have different activities and things like that. And he does the ropes course. Uh-huh. And, um, so he was working there in the first year or two that he was there, there was a, an accident, something very similar where he lost part of, of one of his, his fingers on his left hand. And he too had to relearn how to play the guitar. And mm-hmm. man, I can only imagine like, you know, you, you get along on a particular, you know, you, you know how to do something for so long and to be able to, to take those baby sets and almost, you kind of have to learn how to walk again, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing story. I've, I've really, uh, like I said earlier, I've, I've kind of watched what you've been doing from afar and just watching Watermark uh, 
uh, community church down there in Dallas. It's just you know the way that you do things and and being the being the size that you are. I mean, by all practical purposes, you, you have the label mega church, whether you know that's a fair or not. But in that category, it just seems like Watermark just kind of has a different flavor. Not bad, not better, not worse, not any of that. It's just mm-hmm. it's just a different approach to to, to do things. And I've always been really intrigued and I've I've been to a couple of services and been in the room and just super intrigued about how you guys approach things and so I wanted to take a moment and just bring you on the podcast and and pick your brain a little bit just in terms of like maybe maybe let's start small and practical and we'll we'll kind of work our way out from there let's let's first talk about like just when you're crafting a service and you're selecting songs help me unpack that how how do you approach crafting a service week after week after week and maybe walk me through some of your thought processes along the way mhm yep well um i mean i would say that i the way that i approach it i, I approach it as a member of the church i'd say number 1 in other words, um, I'm not a untouchable leader that is different or better or more special or anything like that. I I see myself, my role as a servant, you know, um, to to use my gifts to serve the body. I mean, that's why we have been given these gifts, whether it's music or administration or leadership or whatever it might be. And so. Um, so I, I, in my mind, that's how I'm approaching my time with my band in the morning when we get there early and we rehearse. And I just remind them of, of that specifically, usually of, of saying, hey, th- these gifts that we've been given there and, and the reason we're on a stage, it's just because we have these gifts. It's not because we're more special. And so so let's serve these people and let's point them to um, to the one who can give them life. And so so if we can be reflectors and, and our role as worship leaders and not attractors, um, that is, that's probably where my, my brain is at on usually on a Sunday morning. And so, um, so, so first I set the table, Todd, my, our senior pastor, Todd Wagner has taught me a lot about this and, and to set the table, you have to know who's in the room. And number one, uh, it's obviously believers who have come there to, um, to remember the things of God, to remember the truth. Um, and hopefully to not only just listen to it, but then to leave that room in, a, in an hour or whenever to, to, uh, to apply that truth, but also a lot of unbelievers who visit Watermark, which I love that about Watermark. I mean, literally probably, you know, a few hundred people, visitors that we come and some that, that are very far from God, maybe that knew God at some point and have, uh, for whatever reason, um, aren't close to him anymore, or people who are just complete unbelievers who have been, you know, you know, just are investigating the truth and exploring the truth and, and found Watermark to be a place where they can do that. And so I address them. And so at first I, I called the believer to worship. And then I also address the unbeliever. And I said, hey, I usually say something like, for those of you in the room who, who don't know God and would not consider um, yourself to be a believer or a follower of Jesus, um, you are in the perfect place this morning because you get to hear more about a God who loves you who came to rescue sinners like me, um, and um, and and hear the hope that is available to you through Jesus Christ. And so you're welcome to sing and stand with us, but you're also welcome to just stay seated and just listen to these. Let us tell you more about him. We wouldn't expect you to sing and for the, for you to expect to yourself to have some sort of religious experience. So we try to kind of break that down and sort of take and kind of disarm the maybe the expected church experience type thing and just say, hey, we know you're here. We love you. Um, God loves you. 
um, listen to us tell you more about them. As far as the service goes, we kind of craft our, um, we usually have a four song set and in, in the set we have a transition time and that transition is usually like a two minute kind of a, uh, devotion or kind of a, I, I usually use that time to kind of remind us why we're singing these songs. I feel like a lot of, a lot of people, including myself will come to church and we sort of go in this in this mode of oh, I've I've sung this song before I've heard this truth before, it's very familiar. We kind of know we have our liturgy, so to speak, you know, at Watermark. You know, two songs, transition, two songs, message. It's really easy to do church. You walk in, you know what's expected, and you just you go through the paces. That's right. And so, what can I do as the as the worship leader to jolt us out of that, and and to say, hey, let me. Let me remind you why we're about to sing the song we're going to sing right now. And this is this is the lyric, and this is where it was written. And if I wrote it, I'm talking about the story behind the song. I'd say that one of the biggest questions that I get, whether we're doing a conference or something like that from other worship leaders, is, you know, John, I I, I can I can get up there and lead music and lead songs, but um, I, when I have to speak and say something. <laughs> Oh, that that's the hard part. <laughs> and uh, and even our own team, even myself, I mean, you know, none of us are. And, and so we're, we're, we're always having to talk about that and talk through that. So let's let's camp there for just a second, because I think you're right. I think that's a question that a lot of worship leaders have about speaking in between the songs. So yeah. what's your response to that question? You know, my my, my thing and what helps me is just to be authentic. Um, and what that looks like is. I will talk about how I personally relate to this song that we're about to sing. Um, like last week, we we did a, a new song that we just wrote called Jesus, My Everything. And it was written out of 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, um, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And, that's, and so I talked about that verse being the first verse that I had um, ever read as a believer. And the reason that I connected with it is because it happened to me. It was real. I, one moment was totally lost. And then the next moment I was born again. I knew I, like Jesus, just like it says in scripture, lifted the, uh, the, the scales from my eyes and I saw, and I understood number one, my need for him. Um, and was just as much as I possibly could, this side of heaven was just so enamored and in awe that God would love me enough to, to, to do that and, and to just kind of share the gospel in that moment. Um, and then, so I invited them into that. I said, Hey, if you were a believer, remember the time when you first came to know the Lord. And, and so I wanted to kind of use my personal story and spark their personal story so that they can remember how much God loves them. And then for the unbeliever, I said, Hey, this may be foreign to you. And you may not have had that time where you came to know and meet this God, but you can cry out to him right now in this moment, in this song. And so, so anyway, so then we start leading in the song. And, um, and so I I feel like I want to, I'm not just trying to fill up that time with some words. I'm trying to draw them in connect with them, um, point them to Christ, remind them of the reason why we're singing this next song or the song we just sang. And then I think authenticity about how broken I am, uh, how much I need the Lord, uh, my own personal stories, my own personal, whatever it, it might be, uh, really helps people to connect with the Lord. And so so that's what I would say. So when you're looking for, for, for songs, songs that one that you might include into like the master library, like these are the list of songs that we do. And then even, you know, 
pour down to, okay, these are the songs that we are, we are doing these four songs on a Sunday for this reason. What are you looking for when you are choosing the songs that you are including uh, for the ministry and for that particular Sunday? I think there's a balance. I mean, there are definitely songs that are true, being true to the responsibility given to us as worship leaders to put songs that are biblical in, in the mouths of our body. You know, we have a big role. Um, it's a very small role as far as time goes. I did the math one time, and if you if you counted up, you know, 52 Sunday services in a year. <clears throat> or something like that. I could be off. It's been a while. Um, but if you counted up 20 minutes, it would come to about 24 hours of time in one whole year that you are singing or sharing about the Lord in your role as a worship leader. So if, in other words, if you have a 20 minute piece of a service every single year, every single week for a year, that's that comes to about 24 hours of time, which is puts things in perspective. It does. And if that's the case, then I really want to be intentional about the songs that that we're doing. And and you know, some weeks I'm better at this than others, but typically we we kind of it's like an upside down triangle if you can picture that. And up top on the wider end of that top of the triangle or the bottom of the triangle, um, there's songs that that remind us of the great promises of God. It's the um, how great thou art and God's faithfulness, you know, the Lord, our God. And, um, and sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't, um, like great things. We did this past week, that Phil Wickham song, which just talks about the great things of God. It's sort of a kind of wide, broad, um, Hey, let, let us remind you who we're singing to. Right. Um, and then that, that triangles that, that starts getting more narrow and narrow. And what we're trying to end up focusing on is the gospel. And so we, we, and through the transition at some point in that set, that speaking piece that we have, um, and then those final song or two in the set, we always end with focusing on the gospel and, and the sacrifice Jesus made and songs that, that focus on that, like in Christ alone and scandal of grace. And so, so generally that's our, that's kind of how we would plan a set. We also try to make it a continuous song, right? And so we're real intentional about the keys that we do the songs in, um, and how we get from one song to the next song. We, we do that. And then the close of the service my question to who's ever preaching is always, hey, if, if you just heard the message you're about to preach, what, how would you want to respond to God? What would you say to him? And so if I heard a, a sermon about the faithfulness of God, I would want to say this to the Lord. And so that's always helpful to help me as a worship leader choose a song that's going to be a blessing and a, and a tool to put those words in the, in the mouths of our body to help solidify what they just heard preached and the, and the word that they just heard. That's really good. Now, one of the things that I know about Watermark is that at the core of who Watermark is as a church is one of the core values is discipleship, and whether that is the the student ministry or the marriage ministry or the uh, addiction recovery ministry, at the core of everything that Watermark does is discipleship. So in the context of worship ministry and you leading that worship ministry, what does that look like? What does having a core value of discipleship mean for the worship ministry at Watermark? Yeah, I mean, I would say the unique thing that I've learned about Watermark in my time here has been that it is very much first 
about us personally walking with the Lord. In other words, I, I have grown in my perception of my role as the worship pastor that that comes secondary. My job as a worship pastor comes secondary to the fact that I am a child of, of him. I'm, I am his. And the way that God designed that in my life is for me to be a part of a local church and to be a part of it, not just to work there and have an income coming from that place of work, but for me to be a as broken as I am, a, a growing member of that body. And obviously we have all of our different roles. And so then, then that plays into what I do here. Um, so even if I wasn't, didn't have a job here, I would hope that I would be using my gifts to build up the body and, and that I happen to get paid for it as kind of a more of a modern professional Christian type thing. Right. So Watermark does a really good job of calling us to be a part of a smaller community and we call them community groups. And in that community group is where I'm called to be pastored, um, where I'm called to live in authenticity. Um, it's called where I'm called to to help pastor the other um, couples in our group, our other families. It's it's a it's a smaller church, and so that is the place where all of us are committed. And um, and you know there's there's very you know sometimes it's hard to get into a group sometimes to find the group you know whether it's a geography thing or um, or hey we tried this group and and or we're moving from a foundation group which is the first two years of marriage uh, group and they're trying to find like a full community group to stay in for a while um, so there's a lot of different sometimes there's natural transitions but for the most part we call our whole worship team to be a part of a smaller community in our community group. And so there's already kind of the foundation of my leadership as the worship pastor. There's already this expectation that we are a part of being discipled and discipling others in a smaller community already. And this is the place where I'm serving as a member on the worship team. And so well, I remember there was a, uh, at a conference I was at, you happened to do the breakout. And one of the things I, I saw in my notes, you said this, uh, the first person you need to lead is yourself. Christ is our model. We're not rock stars. We are shepherds. Draw a circle on the ground, stand in it, and pray that revival would start within that circle. Amen. Which I always thought was really good. Can you can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would say, you know, I, I'll go back to what I shared earlier about all the capos and my experience losing a part of my finger. You know, for years before that, um, my heart began to drift a little bit, and I was starting to get some opportunities in the music industry that um, w- were really fun. And um, kind of my focus became more focused on CD sales and how many gigs in a month I was getting or how many song cuts I was getting with my publishing deal in Nashville and, and all of these things. And, and those things are important on some level, but my heart began to drift in the fact that I, I kind of just was getting arrogant and thinking that that I've been given these gifts so that, um, you know, I would never say it, but I kind of was kind of, you know, I wanted to be a big deal and I wanted to be the guy that people looked to and said, wow, that, that guy's really talented. And so what I, the Lord broke me through that experience because in the end, he, what he wants out of me is my heart. I mean, I, you know, in Deuteronomy back, back in Deuteronomy, even the Israelites, he preached to them and was, Hey, love me with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. That is the greatest commandment. I mean, he could have said anything for the greatest commandment, but I love that, that the Lord said, love me with your heart. And so my heart had drifted. 
And so we really try hard to keep as I as I lead, try to lead myself that as the as the number one thing. And so that that happens. And just like I said earlier, my identity is not that I'm a worship leader. My identity is not that I'm I'm a worship pastor or get to be on a stage or anything like that. Um, in reality, biblically, my identity is that I'm a son of the king. I am his. He, he bought me with a price of his blood. And um, I get to know him and make him known and make other disciples. And so that if that's not the focus, if that's not the vision of, of the foundation of my life, my life, not the fact that I'm my, my job as a worship pastor, but as my, in my life as a believer and a follower of Jesus, that has to be right. And that has to be healthy. So that, that takes time spending with the Lord in, you know, waiting on him time in prayer. It takes when I do fall short and I am, I make choices that are, that are less than excellent and sin. I am in a community where I can confess that and, um, and deal with that and, and, be extended and reminded of God's forgiveness through the cross. So it's it's kind of like we as worship leaders, one of the pitfalls because our our role is so public is that we can we can kind of think and put this perception on ourselves that we need to be perfect people and we can't struggle. And if we do, then we need to do that in private or really nobody can can know about it. And I really think that that is a a a lie number 1. Um, and number two, it, it steals intimacy with the very people that you're trying to lead that relationship. Um, every time that I, that I would get up in front of people, whether it be my team each week as we meet my staff team, or whether it be the people that I lead on the Sundays or wherever, wherever I'm doing it, when I stand up and I say, you know what, I'm here because I need to be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm here this, this Sunday morning, because I have forgotten what God has done for me. And this is how it's played out. And, um, and so, so thank you for being here because when I watch you worship church, it reminds me and it encourages me and it strengthens my back so that I can stand firm in the faith and be reminded. So just as much as you need to be here, I need to be here too. So let's join our voices together as one choir singing to the King of Kings. And, um, and, and so that's, that's kind of the heart behind, at least I've tried, um, to, of our worship ministry, um, because that's the heart of our church. And that's where Todd leads and our elders, and they're so authentic and, and saying, hey, we're not, we don't, we're not here as perfect people. That's the whole point of Christianity. We're here because we need Jesus. Um, and because he has provided uh, for our needs, uh, for sin and life and godliness and everything, let's get after it. Let's know him. Let's not just talk about it, but let's really do it. And so, um, so, so the focus really is off of the personalities of our church, and um, more on where it should be. I feel in the Lord, and so that's something we always need to be checking, of course. But it seems to be very genuine here, and uh, and the, which is a blessing. So, that's super wise. All right, it is time now for the bonus round. Are you ready, John, for the bonus round? <laughs> I'm ready. I don't know what to expect. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Bonus rounds coming at you at three, in two, one, coffee or tea? Coffee every morning. Early riser or night owl? Oh, um, I'd say uh, as a father of four kids, I've become, I'm naturally an owl. 
but I've become an early riser. <laughs> I'm forced to become an early I riser. I can understand that. Favorite <laughs> TV or Netflix show? Um, my wife and I have been watching this show called Seal Team. Okay. Which has been really fun. We enjoy have enjoyed that show. What, what's the basic premise of that? Um, you know, I'd say the focus of each episode is the mission. And I'm a big, I love, you know, like m most men, probably like SEAL Team and, and all that. It's like, I don't know, who wouldn't want to be the hero of the world and, and want to, <laughs> you know, go into these places on secret missions and, and uh, conquer the world. That's awesome. Cat or dog? We have neither. Um, but if I did, I would, I would say, uh, I would say dog. New York City or L.A.? <laughs> L.A. First car you ever owned? It was a Mustang GT. Nice. Uh, going American with that. Okay. Uh, favorite book every creative should read? I would say, and this would be, I don't know if you were going to ask, this, this is the last book that I read, but um, this book called In the Name of Jesus by Henry Nouwen is a book that has some great nuggets of what it means to be a leader. And I think I think it'd be great for worship leaders to read that, to embrace that. If you could give a TED talk, what would it be about? Um, I would. I don't know what it would be, but I would try to dispel some of the myths about the church in, in, in the hopes that people, the world could see the goodness and the kindness and the grace and the mercy and the power of God. That's fantastic. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the bonus round. Thank you very much for John. <laughs> Well, you probably get this question a lot where, you know, people come up to you and say, okay, so the rest of the week, like, what are you doing in the office? Like, I see you on stage and you're playing your guitar and we're singing songs on Sunday. Like, that part, I get it. You know, that, that very public part of it. But the rest of the time when you're in the office, like, what do you do all day during the week? So how do you answer that question? Yeah, that, that, I do get that question. And, um, you know, I would say about 10% of what I do is, is on, on Sunday mornings on that stage. And, and so, so the other parts are some is a, a lot of it is prep for that. Uh, but I'd say even the larger point of that is leading a ministry that is supposed to point people to Christ in an authentic way through our gifts of music to remind them of what is true. Um, there is a need to develop a structure where that can be healthy. And we, uh, Watermark now has four campuses, and we have, gosh, 50 bands probably in a week that are serving different ministries from children's ministry, student ministry, weekly ministries like Regen and Reengage, um, our porch ministry, young adult ministry on Tuesday nights. And a lot of our campuses have these same ministries going simultaneously or at different nights. You know, you can imagine the pastoral questions or needs or development or um, assimilation of people that come through our audition process that need to be plugged in to these different ministries in order to serve with their gifts. And so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of casting vision of these leaders that will actually have these conversations with these uh, potential leaders that, that are in our body. So, uh, so, so a lot of my time, I would say, is, is spent with my staff team. And so right now I've got about six or seven full-time people on my team. And, and I'd say, you know, half of those guys are the worship directors at the other campuses. Um, and then at this campus, specifically at Dallas, we've got um, three other, well, three other permanently full-time people and then two 
residents that are, have been with us, you know, they're, they're with us for another couple of months, about a 10, a 10 month thing. And so, so I'd say a lot of my time is, is pouring into them because those are the leaders that are going to lead into their campuses. So a lot of that is, is directional type ministry. A lot of that is um, like we've been talking about just leading out of authenticity and having a time weekly or every other week where we're all together, where we're just checking in and we're saying, Hey guys, how are, how are you guys doing? What, what's your, how's your heart? Let's talk about that. How can we pray for one another? And that, that tracks anything from men. My, my husband and I are going through some, some hard things uh, or, or my wife and I just got into this conflict or something. And so, man, we all just pray for us and yeah, absolutely we'll pray for you. And then we'd encourage them. It's like, Hey, you know, why don't you, I don't know, why don't you go and take lunch and, um, and go home and, and, uh, just encourage them to, to not only confess it or to share the struggle, but also to get, to get back into it and, and to really make a difference in, in whatever situation that is. And the reason I think that last part is so good for us to hear, I know that nearly all of us aren't responsible for 50 different bands throughout the week, but I think it's good for us to hear from someone like John just how little of his time is spent on the actual music part of his role and how much time he's actually spending in the relationship side with the people that are within his ministry. I think that's important no matter what size the church is. I actually found a video where he shares the full story about losing his finger. I'm going to put that link of the video along with everything else that we talked about within the episode in the show notes. You can find that at practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast 14. I wanted to share this review of the Practical Worship Podcast with you from Dad of Kids, which actually describes me, probably describes a lot of us. Anyway, it says, Dave does a great job of hosting this podcast. He has great information to encourage and challenge you in ministry and leadership. It doesn't hurt that Dave is easy to listen to as a show host, a very well done podcast. Well, if, if if you're listening, I wanted to say thank you for saying those those kind things. And I want to thank you for taking the time to share those comments, because if you're listening to us on iTunes, those reviews really do help promote the show. If you haven't already, would you consider leaving an honest five-star rating and review? Because of how their algorithm works, the more ratings and reviews that are on that iTunes for that podcast, it tells them to promote the show to more and more people. So, so that we can help more and more people. At the YouTube channel, I'm in this season right now where just finding the bandwidth to create a new video every single week is proving difficult. So what I've done is I've given myself the, the freedom to miss a week or two here and there, but the goal is to still create content on a somewhat regular basis, not to put it on pause or anything like that. Some of the videos that I've released lately talk about how limitations actually inspire creativity, which is good news for those of us in smaller and medium-sized churches that really don't have just this overwhelming amount of resources and money at our disposal. There's another video on why I call the singers and the musicians the music team and why I reserve the name worship team or worship ministry for the ministry at large to make everyone feel a part of the ministry, which some of you, some of the comments within that video and some of the DMs I've got actually have pushed back on that saying it's just semantics, but I don't think so. I think it's really easy for the other arms of the worship ministry, like the tech team and things like that, to feel like they're a fifth wheel. And there's such an easy fix for that. You just change. Anyway, watch the video if you 
you haven't already, you can find those videos and more linked in the show notes or just go to youtube.com slash practical worship. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again next month. <laughs>